0: That time, the sports talker here's TJ Walker.
1: Hello, everybody, Happy Tuesday to you here on a Fat Tuesday game day edition of the sports talker here on 1450 the sports bus. Sorry that we did not have. A show yesterday. Uh, the snow kept people out of the 1450 Sports Bus studio, uh, and I—I was—I'm I'm getting over a cold, so I didn't necessarily mind a day off to rest my voice a little bit more. Uh, but no show yesterday, and also I forgot to tweet out that there would be no show, so I, I had uh, quite a few text messages of people and Twitter messages wondering what was going on. So I do apologize for not being. not communicating that to you, but we're here today. Uh, That's all that matters. It's a game day edition. Again, it's Mardi Gras. It'd be fun to be in New Orleans. I'm pretty sure it's rather cold down there as it seems it's cold all throughout the United States as the Louisville area gets, I think, seven, maybe eight inches of snow on Sunday night, Monday. Uh, It was uh, enough snow to cover the roads up until really today. Uh, I think most of the major roads are, are in good shape, but uh, we're back should be a, a fun week the snow did keep me going from going to Knoxville I was planning on going down there uh, but just didn't didn't have enough time and I've got probably the worst car when it comes to snow so uh, that's not the not the not the worst thing in the world to, to, to take a day off again I'm kind of getting over something so I don't mind that much Yates, how are you today doing well how are you I'm doing fantastic. What did you do on your day off?
0: I uh, shoveled the driveway.
1: You shoveled. What time did you dr- shovel the driveway?
0: Um, it's sometime in the afternoon. I don't remember exactly what time it was.
1: Because I saw so many people on Facebook and uh, other various social media outlets that were shoveling the driveway around eleven or noon, and I just didn't get the point behind it. If if it was going to continue to snow, and it did. So what would what what was your logic in in doing it early if it was just gonna keep snowing later? Well, that was why
0: I I tried to wait it out and once I once I shoveled it we really didn't get any more. But my neighbor was talking about he had started early, and he got every couple of hours he'd have to go out and kind of not really shovel so much, uh, but sort of just push it all off of his driveway again. But once once I got it shoveled, it was that was it. It was I mean I, I had some salt I put some salt on the but it kind of packed down under the shovel and
1: now my driveway is in great shape. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, the apartment complex we live in, they've done a good job of clearing the roads there. Uh, some, some people are shoveling their driveways. He are shoveling their walkways, uh, sidewalks and up to their front doors. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if there's necessarily a, a need to do that and just get a little snow in the house. Not, not the end of the world. And also again, I'm a little bit lazy. So, Uh, But a fun snow, and did get to take the dog on a fun uh, snowy walk yesterday. He seemed to enjoy it for us not putting a sweater on him and him being a short-haired dog. uh, Didn't seem to mind, but fun day, fun day, fun little snow day. But a lot to talk about. We didn't get to talk about the games over the weekend, didn't get to discuss Kentucky's win against South Carolina, Louisville's loss against NC State. We'll briefly touch on those a little bit on today's show. Uh, We'll preview Kentucky's game against Tennessee, still undefeated, the Vols. I have said that Tennessee, uh, all season long and all throughout the sports talkers, I've been pointing out the games Kentucky could possibly lose. Tennessee has been one of those games. I'm taking it off the the could-lose list, and that might as well be – a death sentence to Kentucky's undefeated season, me doing that. But I, I got to watch some of Tennessee versus LSU from this weekend. LSU led at halftime 47 to 20, 47 to 20 at, in Knoxville. I almost wanted to say in Nalen stadium, but uh, that that's, that's football uh, in Thomas Bowling arena. But I'm taking this off the list. The only game that I could see Kentucky losing between uh, the regular season and the SEC tournament is the Georgia game in Athens, as I've been saying all along. Uh, the Arkansas game, Arkansas starting to play pretty well. They got a big win at Ole Miss this weekend. That might be that might be one that could end up on the radar, but I, I, I don't see it. Again, I just don't see Kentucky losing at home. Maybe Arkansas in the SEC tournament, if that game were to, were to happen, could be tricky. But I'm taking Tennessee off. So – this is a bit of a spoiler alert for my uh, for the the predictions at the end of the show, but I, I just don't see a scenario with Kentucky tying the school record for the best start in school history. I don't see them coming up, not finding a way to beat that streak and getting to twenty six and zero. And again, Tennessee um, they've got some players. Josh Richardson, a, a good guy, a good player that could play on almost any team across the country. I just Uh, They just don't have enough. They don't have enough talent. They're not big enough inside. Uh, Regardless of how rowdy of an atmosphere it could be, I don't see them winning that game. Uh, But we'll talk more about that game later on the show today. I got in a lively Twitter debate yesterday over the best rivalry in college basketball, whether it's Kentucky, Louisville, Duke, UNC. I used to be on the other side of of that argument, but I've recently switched. We'll talk a little bit about that. Later on the show today, maybe this just came to my mind. Maybe we'll get somebody that covers UNC-Duke. They play tomorrow night uh, directly after the Louisville game at Syracuse. Maybe we'll get somebody on to, to have a nice little debate about that. That would be uh, that would be interesting. And I think that would be some, some good radio. Might do that. And let's see. What else do we have uh, for the show today? no huh? That might be it, along with the Louisville and Kentucky talk. As always, want to hear what you have to say. Tweeting the show at T Walker Rivals, Captain Arctic getting in early and reminding me that in, in Scottsdale it's sunny and seventy-eight there, while the rest of the country freezes. Out West seems to be doing well for itself, and that's not what we like to hear. Uh, and it, it's incredibly disappointing to Look at the seven-day forecast and just and not see any progression doesn't really give you much to look forward to but anyways uh with it being fat tuesday and mardi gras yates do you have any any plans for for this uh this fat tuesday no didn't even really realize it was fat tuesday tomorrow is ash wednesday uh in and Lent, but i i went to occasion place for lunch today that was fantastic uh Got my girlfriend a piece of king cake, uh, but I'm probably going to have some of it. We'll have to see if the, the little baby's inside of it, which suggests that you have good luck for a year. King cake is probably one of my favorite cakes. It's just fantastic. Um, and that's pretty much it for for my Fat Tuesday plans. Uh, I've never been to Mardi Gras. It's on my bucket list. I'm going to try to do that. I almost feel that the best time to do it would be when you're in college and just go, just make it happen right then and there. Uh, but now that now that I'm out of it, it's it's not it's not as easy to be able to do that. Brun dmc's texting in the show, but the texts are so long, I don't have enough time to read them on the air and be able to talk about them. So I might have to wait for the commercial break to be able to talk about what he what he wants to talk about. Uh, but let's talk about the games from this weekend and get it over with here in this first segment. Kentucky beat South Carolina, and one of the things I said last week was that Kentucky shouldn't, if possible, don't look dominant. Try not to to peak or have a big game because when you have big games, so often you see teams not to. I don't want to say get a big head, but it it, it comes so easy that when things get tough, you kind of forget how to push back. Now. I, they they blew out South Carolina. Everybody knew that game was going to be over. The nearly uh, directly after tip off, and really tough to find a Kentucky player that didn't have a great game, really balanced effort. Even Dakari Johnson, who had been slumping lately, uh, got into the act. Double double, second career double double for him. Uh, a, a good game for for all Kentucky players. They you know they didn't ri- rely on the three point shot, but still able to hit five three pointers. The reason, and again, like I said, the reason I didn't think that they necessarily needed a blowout win there is because if if tonight in Knoxville were to be a tough game, a close game, back and forth, I, I think you can get a bit complacent after a big win like that. But as you have it, that's, that's how it played out. And now they have a chance to carry that momentum, get a win at Tennessee. The schedule, it depends if you want to consider Tennessee a tough game or not, which again, I, I don't think it's a necessarily just an easy win i do think that they will they should be able to beat the vols but then you have auburn at home on saturday and then you go to starkville mississippi state that could be a a rowdy environment but uh, just a mississippi state team that is doesn't have the talent so kentucky can start to to continue to build this momentum that they got from that south carolina win and debatably picked up from the lsu win when they were able to come back in such a tight game so this could be learning and growing experiences for these players uh, to, to pick up a hot streak. So if something happens late in this year, maybe it's the Arkansas game where, where Kentucky's team starts to not play well. Maybe it's on the road at Georgia. They can look back to the stretch, realize how well that they were playing, what they did right, what worked. So I think it's important that Kentucky continues to, to not steamroll. They don't, again, have to beat Tennessee by 20 points or more. But I do think that it is important that you start, you, can, you build on this momentum and not start to look like a roller coaster and have your ups and downs game in and game out because I don't think, I, I don't think you get any rhythm in doing that. So I do think it's important for Kentucky, uh, if, you're gonna, if you were going to beat the snot out of South Carolina, then to keep it rolling, keep it moving, continue to play well. Um, again, the Tennessee team, not a ton of talent, could be a tough road environment, uh, but I think they should be able to do that. Really, the the bigs against South Carolina just a, a great performance. and if they play like that, they're not getting beat. All three of them had what I would call good games. Uh, probably not likely or realistic for that to happen in every game, and it hasn't been the case so far, but when you're able to have production from the five or four position for 40 minutes, it's tough. A- any team would be tough to be beat in that situation. Uh, so uh, a big win, a good win for Kentucky. You almost felt bad for that South Carolina team, and then you remembered Devin Downey. So he really, you didn't feel as bad <laughs> as Kentucky rolled Frank Martin and the Gamecocks. The Louisville game. Now that was, that is something that we sh- that would have been good to talk about uh, had we had the show yesterday, and, and is now a little bit dated losing to nc state now i didn't get to watch all of that i got to listen to the last few minutes on the radio on my way back from lexington because i was typing after the uk game so i didn't get a chance to watch the majority of it Uh, but yates after that loss how concerned are you as a louisville fan
0: um i think that game especially should give you cause for legitimate concern i mean they Rozier didn't show up, and that, I mean, can't put it all on him because Trez didn't show up either. Uh, I mean, nobody really showed up. Uh, but, you know, without Terry Rozier, there was no offense whatsoever. I mean, they just looked awful. So, you know, if you have a game where he's not going to score 15 to 20 points, then you're going to have a hard time winning that game as it stands as a Louisville fan.
1: I almost feel that I jinxed Louisville by talking about how they hadn't had that uncharacteristic, or that characteristic rather, bad loss. Rick Pitino's, it's happened a lot since he's been at Louisville, and it obviously hasn't been that big of a deal for him to uh, to have a head-scratching loss somewhere along the road, but I talked about that last week, and then sure enough they end up losing to an NC State team that has some talent, has some players. Cat Barber uh, is fun to watch, no doubt about that, but Yates, again, not getting to watch the game. Did did Rogier, did he foul did he have foul trouble throughout the game? I know he obviously fouled out with around five or six minutes left or however much time there was. Did he have foul trouble throughout the game? And maybe that's what that's what caused him to be a bit more hesitant and, and not have one of his better games? Or did he pick up most of those fouls maybe late in the second half?
0: No, he he had foul trouble throughout the entire game.
1: All right, well, if I'm a Louisville fan, I'm taking a little yeah, that, that makes me maybe feel a little bit better where it was just an off night. His defense uh, was off. He was fouling more, and that got in his head and, and didn't allow him to have a great offensive performance. It uh, didn't seem like anybody really did, with the exception of uh, Wayne Blacksher had a big game. Yeah, it's your boy, Wayne Blacksher, has a big game, and it doesn't even result in a Louisville win.
0: Yeah, he. I mean, he had a big game if you look at the score, but I mean, most of that was in the first half. Um,
1: didn't do much in the second half? Again, nah, I, didn't he, get
0: a- I think he had 14 in the first half, and... I guess five points in the second half. So I think
1: we're going to learn a lot more about this Louisville team over the next two weeks. Before, and and, you know, you can make the case that you're going to learn a lot about this Louisville team for the rest of their six games in the season. Which it's crazy to think that there's only six games left in the season. But their last two games are home games right now, currently against top two top ten teams, Notre Dame and Virginia. I think they should be able to take care of business at home. They haven't necessarily this season, so so maybe that's silly for me to say. But I think you could learn more about this team in the games up to that, leading up to that. Uh, you're going to have Syracuse on the road. That's it's not a great Syracuse team. They do have some players. They have nothing really to play for. But I almost think that that hurts Louisville because every big game could technically be Syracuse's and Jim Boeheim's tournament in, in a sense. No ACC tournament for those guys either. That'll be a tough game. That 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 would be a very tough game in the Carrier Dome and you got to imagine they're going to have 25,000 plus there for that. Miami at home already already won at Miami. Uh, that game there's no reason Louisville shouldn't win with relative ease. But then at Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech isn't a great team losing record on the season. But it's a road game, and it could be tough. It would be a big game for Georgia Tech. And then at Florida State, again, Florida State kind of in the the same situation, not a great team, uh, has some good wins, have played good teams close in certain stances. So I think that little stretch of those four games will tell a lot about Louisville. Can you bounce back from an NC State loss, find ways to win these games that you should win, but things really aren't going Louisville's way right now? So. I think we'll learn a lot about what the future, what March, what the bracket holds for Louisville based on those four games. And then, of course, if you're able to have a successful run in that stretch and then finish your season beating Notre Dame or Virginia, well, you're going in the ACC tournament with a ton of momentum. If you have a shaky road there, again, three of the next four games on the road for Louisville, if things don't go your way there and then you maybe drop one or both at home against two teams, and I don't think Cards fans would be too optimistic heading into March, uh, but uh, a weird loss, uh, a really strange loss, and it seems like a lot of my my Louisville friends and people that I talk to, it's just they they can't get behind this team for whatever reason. Uh, it's not the most fun team to watch on TV. Me as a fan of college basketball, me as somebody that want, likes to watch Louisville, and and you know because I got to be able to talk about them. And, of course, I didn't get to see the whole game against NC State, and I'm asking Yates all these questions, which I always appreciate Yates' input and advice because he, he knows what he's talking about. Uh, but even me watching the, this team, it's it's not like the, the Louisville teams of the past four years, uh, just not as fun to watch. Terry Rozier's great and is a good player, but it almost seems at times, if he's not doing everything by himself, Louisville struggles to score in a variety of ways. That's no surprise, or that's that's not a hot take. It's just a fact. So I'd uh, be curious to see how Louisville responds from that loss. And it almost, you just listening to Rick Patino talk, it almost seems that he doesn't really love this team or uh, he's having he's having trouble getting inspired coaching these guys. Maybe I'm mistaken. That's just my opinion. But it, it doesn't, it just seems different. It seems different. And the way the season's gone for Louisville, when you look at their losses before NC State, at Virginia by five. Versus Duke by 11, a game that wasn't really competitive. Yeah, okay. Uh, at UNC, a game that they should have won. And then versus Kentucky, a game that Kentucky controlled, but Louisville is a few big plays away from making that game really competitive. Not a ton of bad losses, but then you look at the wins. Where are the great wins? A, a UNC game where UNC should have won. So you know, you, you flip that one. Should Should have won on the road, should have lost at home. Ended up going the other way. You beat a a good Ohio State team, an okay Ohio State team, you beat an Indiana team that's doing well. Not a lot of good wins. Not a lot of bad losses, but not a lot of good wins. So it it almost reminds me a little bit of Louisville's football season where it was before the last two weeks, the Notre Dame and Kentucky games, it was just a very vanilla season. Uh, Good, you know, had some good moments and had some good games and lost to some good teams, but didn't really have that excitement factor I feel the basketball team is doing more of the same. We're going to head to the commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about uh, Kentucky. Speaking of Louisville and Kentucky, is this the best rivalry in college basketball, uh, or is it Duke, Carolina, the the rivalry that obviously has a a bit more tradition? And we're going to preview Kentucky's game at Tennessee and take some of your tweets and texts. So look forward to doing that. Stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We will be right back. Cause to the right, here I am stuck <laughs> in the middle with you. When you started out with nothing.
0: Listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450, The Sports
1: Buzz. Sports Buzz. And something I forgot to mention that we were going to talk about today because I had forgotten about it yesterday. I I'd spent the majority of the day just reading stuff and reading different articles, and it was actually pretty nice. Uh, but and, and I read a lot of good ones, but none that were or only one that was. Sports-related, so I won't bore you all uh, with my again boring history readings. But uh, the uh, Yates, did you read the oral history of Billy Gillespie uh, on Fox Sports?
0: No, I think I saw that tweeted out earlier today, and I but I haven't read it yet.
1: It was uh, it, it was just it was great. It was fun. <laughs> I mean, it was just fun to read. It, it, I I enjoyed enjoyed every second of it. If you hadn't had a chance to do such, uh, I suggest that you do. It was um, it was it was fantastic. And and Brun DMC, I think, kind of going maybe off that, wanted me to talk about some of the UK basketball, Uval basketball, urban legends that exist out there, stories that you may have heard that may or may not be true. This would be a great topic for maybe a summer day, uh, but we can touch on some of it today. Uh, one of which Brun DMC has heard is that Denny Crum used to always play incoming freshman recruits in horse, and rumor has it he never lost. Another one was back in 2000 when UNLV tried to hire Bettino. They forgot to send a car to the airport for his, for his wife, and, and it turned her off to the idea of going to UNLV. Uh, there, there are some from Billy Gillespie that Run DMC uh, spoke uh, that that brought up. I mean, the the Billy Gillespie ones. Some are true and some are ridiculous. My my roommate insists on this story that there was this time Billy Gillespie was at a hotel swimming in a fountain in the hotel lobby, naked. That's I mean, stuff like that's not true. But but the thing is, you don't you don't have to make up Billy Gillespie stories. Uh, trust me, there are. Plenty, plenty of great stories. You don't have to make them up. Uh, but that was a, a fantastic, uh, well-written story. And here, here's my, and I wasn't asked to participate in Fox Sports article on Billy Gillespie, and that's fine. I was in high school when all this played out. But, it, he was, and, but I was still obviously a big Kentucky fan. I was a message board lurker uh, and, and was up to date with what was going on here's what i remember. Tubby Smith obviously he was going to go eventually. And and when he left, i was still ready to give him maybe more time. I, I just felt he deserved it. He was a winner, just not a winner at a at a very high level, and obviously that's where Kentucky wants to be. I, was, I wanted to give him a bit more time, but it was clear it just it wasn't going to work out. It, it's almost the same feeling I get with Tom Crean at IU. It's just, you, you can prolong it as long as you want, but at the end of the day, expectations are not going to be met. Uh, the type of expectations that Kentucky's fan base, IU's fan base, what they want. It's, you know, it, it's kind of like you're seeing somebody that's cool and, and nice and fun to hang out with, but you know you're not going to marry them, and, and eventually you, you gotta you got to pull the plug. That's how I felt with Tubby Smith. They hired Billy Gillespie, and I almost immediately – I I did immediately dislike the idea of behind the hire. I felt it was a lazy hire. I I felt that it was Kentucky's way of saying – Mitch Barnhart's way of saying, we don't need a big-name coach. We're the University of Kentucky. We make coaches. Coaches don't make this program. And, and almost felt that they were trying to hammer that in by hiring this guy that had only been coaching college basketball for a few years. He was just a few years removed from coaching high school basketball. I, I didn't like it. Now, with that being said, as soon as Gillespie got to Lexington, he hit the ground running recruiting, and it was... It was a breath of fresh air. It was something new. It wasn't what Kentucky fans were used to with uh, with Tubby Smith. Tubby Smith would recruit sporadically. It, he would it seems like he'd key in on one class every 2 years and but there's no guarantee that the cat, class that he keyed in on would come together. I think he he would look at 2 years worth of classes, try to decide which one was better, put all his eggs in that class basket. Eh, And if you missed out on those guys, then you missed out on those guys, and you were going to have a two-bad-year recruiting cycle. And and I don't think that's what you need. Uh, That's obviously not what you need. And uh, As Tubby Smith has gone on to Minnesota and now Texas Tech, recruiting still hasn't been a, a major priority for him, although obviously it's going to be much harder for him to recruit at those schools. So I didn't like it at first, but then as you had it, he recruited well, he, he was hungry to prove himself, but it really was that, that first Gardner-Webb game where I thought to myself, "Yeah, I don't think this is going to work out. He, he knows his X's and O's, but he's stubborn. And, and Billy Gillespie was incredibly stubborn. Incredibly stubborn as a coach. It was his way, and if that didn't work, yeah, that's okay. Then you're going to lose playing his way. Never seemed to adjust. I remember there was this time that I was in high school and and went to a game with my friends. It was against Mississippi State. And it was during a snowstorm, coincidentally. Uh, There there was not a lot of people in Rep Arena. Uh, I realistically guessed that the the attendance at the start of the game was 14,000. I'm sure they announced something much higher. Mississippi State dominated right off the tip. Kentucky was in striking distance, but it wasn't very realistic. And by the midway through the second half, there was uh, probably 7,000 people there, and, th- and that that might be generous. And my friends and I had bad seats, but eventually we were able to move down to the front row of the second level, uh, again, coincidentally, right behind where I sit now for Kentucky games, and the, right behind my me- media seats, where those are. And there was one point, and I think it was probably two minutes left, I... I had lost it. It was probably one of the most upset I've ever been watching a Kentucky game and just screamed from the second level that uh, he, Billy Gillespie continued to let Perry Stevenson guard Mississippi State's point guard for whatever reason. Uh, he'd get caught in a pick, and they wouldn't do anything to change it. So almost it, it almost seemed consecutively like six or seven possessions. This little guard just went right around Perry Stevenson and scored. Uh, and I don't remember the Mississippi State Guard. I, I, I don't remember the exact facts of it. So I, I finally yelled. I don't remember exactly what I yelled, but I can't. It, it seemed like 7,000 people were in the arena and 14,000 sets of eyes looked at me. I know that they heard me down on the court. I was telling this story one time to somebody that at the time worked for UK Media Relations, and they said they remembered it. I don't know if that was true or not, but that was probably the maddest I'd ever been. And it was just a, a small example of Billy Glisty's stubbornness. As a coach, just refused to change in certain situations. Uh, He was just it. it, He wasn't. Again, he knows basketball. Some of the plays that he'd come up with uh, in in critical situations would be would be fun to watch because they would work. But again, just his stubbornness cost him from winning big at Kentucky. And here's the thing, and this goes with that article, the Fox Sports article with. Uh, the billy the oral history of billy Gillespie. i i don't buy the fact that winning that losing brought all his problems to the forefront the making perry stevenson eat pop tarts part josh harrelson sitting in a bathroom stall threatening to make darius miller walk home from the sec tournament i don't believe losing brought all that stuff out now i think losing might have sped up the process and, and they interviewed the guy from Texas A&M's rival sites, and and, and he's part of rivals. I'm part, I'm part of rivals. But if you read the article and you know what I'm talking about, the Texas A&M guy said that basically the gist of his point was he did all that same stuff at Texas A&M, but we just embraced it. We didn't mind it. He didn't have the media attention. He could get away with that stuff, and it worked because it wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, but he gets to Kentucky with five-star players that aren't used to that kind of coaching. And I almost just got the vibe that the Texas A&M dude was saying – at Kentucky, it's just you can't have that type of coaching. It's that environment that, that doesn't work. And At Texas A&M, he would have been fine and fine and fine. I don't care where he would have been, and it, this is my point is proven with his short career at Texas Tech after Kentucky, but I don't care where he would have been. This stuff would have came to the forefront eventually, and whether he was winning, losing, it doesn't matter. This stuff would have came out, and it would have been considered unacceptable, even if he had been a winner. Now maybe if he was winning national title after national title, that's an exception. But if he was winning a few SEC tournaments, having a, maybe a nice run in March here and there, this stuff would have came out and it, he was just he was crazy. He Billy Gillespie was crazy. His coaching style, the way he he dealt with people, it wasn't normal. And that's you can't hide that forever. You can't hide crazy forever. Crazy always finds its way out. So it it, it, it just wasn't gonna work at Kentucky with Billy Gillespie, and it was a bad hire. Just a, a a bad hire from, from the start, from the middle to the end. It 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 never was going to work. Anyways, Captain Artic says still painful that we could have had Cal two years earlier. Tubby's time had come to an end, uh, and he says, "I'm, I'm, you're so very right. I've never forgiven Barnhart for that hire. Very lazy. I, I it just was. It, it was a, it, it Speaking of stubborn, talking about how stubborn Billy Gillespie was. It, it was an incredibly stubborn hire because it basically said Kentucky was better than hiring a coach with a good track record. It was basically saying." we could we could hire me. We could hire the sports soccer with TJ Walker and we could make him a winning coach because this is Kentucky. This is the way things work. Billy Gillespie had been to Sweet 16. Are you kidding me? That's enough to get you hired at the best basketball program in the country? It was just stupid. Now, I will say this, and Captain Artic, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. Kentucky could have had Calipari two years earlier and... and who knows how that would have happened? Mitch Barnhart was not going to hire John Calipari after after Tubby Smith. I mean, that would just be a night and day difference, perception-wise. A night and day difference back then. Now, in hindsight, with Billy Gillespie, that's, that's night and day. But he wasn't going to do that two years later. And and they, they mentioned this in the Fox Sports article, and I agree with it. You don't have this Calipari run without Gillespie. So as bad as that was, as hard as it was for Kentucky fans, and Louisville was having their own success, as hard as all that was, those two years, you don't have the last five years and now going on six years without what happened with Gillespie. And so I think any Kentucky fan would snap their fingers and say, okay, let's just give me a paper bag. Let me me just close my eyes during these two years. And if I can have three Final Fours in the next five, a national championship, and a uh, a twenty-five and start in year six, then hell, let's do it. And that's what that's what Kentucky did. Uh, and, and I think anybody would do that. All right. Anyways, back to the UK, U, UNC, uh, UK, U of UNC, Duke rivalry debate. Where do you weigh in on this, Yates?
0: I've got to go with the uh, U of L, UK.
1: Okay, Uh, that and you know I I think most Louisville fans would agree with that. I used to be on the other side of the fence here. I used to say that UNC and Duke was better, and this was maybe three years ago. So Louisville, Kentucky was really heating up as a rivalry in terms of both programs having success. Uh, I guess this might have been just the year before Kentucky's national championship. So Kentucky, the year that Kentucky was going to the to the Final Four in 2011, I thought that UNC and Duke was a better rivalry because, one, tradition, history says it is. When your average college basketball fan out in California, if there even is, you know, are any college basketball fans out there, when they think of the best rivalry, they're going to think of UNC and Duke. And on a national level, that may be true. It might be a better rivalry. But there's no doubt that lately... Kentucky and Louisville have been drastically better. Drastically. And, and, you know, Kentucky and Louisville do have more combined national championships between the two programs, uh, 11 to 9 in that sense. So, you know, maybe history, it shouldn't be as, it shouldn't be conceded to Duke UNC, but I get it. You know, they've had Jordan, they've had a lot of great players, uh, a lot of... uh, You know historic coaches that get more recognition than than some of Kentucky's for whatever reason, Uh, but that's just kind of the way that it is. But there's no doubt in my mind that lately it's been Kentucky and Louisville. And the reason I said that UNC and Duke was better is one because of the history, two because they play for something. They actually play for ACC titles. They play in February and March. Uh, They can play for ACC tournament championships. Their games actually have some real weight to them. Where Kentucky and Louisville is this random Saturday in December. There's a lot of a lot of pride at stake and a lot of bragging rights. But you win, great. You get a quality win most years, and you move on. You lose, well, you lose. It's going to stink. Work may be tough the next few weeks, uh, but your team moves on and continues to go into conference play. You kind of brush it off. That's the reason I thought UNC and Duke was better is because you could play, uh, you would play for something. But after seeing the Final Four in 2012 between Kentucky and Louisville, after seeing 40,000 people at Lucas Oil for a Sweet 16 game, it's just, it's better. It's better. It's more intense. It means more. It's better for college basketball. People might not want to buy into it because it's not as sexy and, uh, Louisville doesn't quite have the tradition as the other three schools. Which, you know, you could debate that it's not that far off. But the fans just care more about it. That's just the way that it is. If you had Duke and UNC meet in the Sweet 16 two hours from Durham and Chapel Hill, I mean, I don't know what city you you could do then make it work, but and and you got to play it at a football stadium in a dome in this hypothetical situation. Would Duke and UNC, would they get 40,000 people there? Hell no. Duke doesn't even have that huge of a fan base, especially locally in Duke. The majority of their fans are up in New York and uh, bandwagon fans throughout the country that have never even sniffed Duke's campus. Cats and cards are better right now. You're going to get all the hype around the the Duke-UNC game tomorrow night but it's not the best rivalry in college basketball. That's the, that's the red and blue one. We're going to head to our last commercial break. We're going to come back, talk cats and balls. Not enough time in the day sometimes for these shows. So stick around here on 1450, the Sports Buzz. We'll be right back.
0: Back to the sports talker with TJ Walker.
1: We're back. One final segment today. Uh, a few tweets. Captain Arctic says that the reason UK UofL is better is because you get one shot a year unless manufactured by the NCAA, and you have to live with the outcome. There's always a chance of redemption in the Duke UNC with the second game and even maybe sometimes the third game in the ACC turning. I don't think that, I don't think that makes Kentucky Louisville better. Although I do completely understand your point uh, that you do just, it's one game you win or you don't. It's almost a, a mini NCAA tournament game in itself uh, without the, the, the consequences of losing. But I, you do get a chance of redemption, but how sweet would it be if you if you got to beat Louisville two times a year? And I, you know, I guess the the last few years, Kentucky fans have had that have had that pleasure of beating Louisville twice. But but on a regular basis, how how sweet would it be getting to sweep the series? And you know, how does it how does it work if you do have the season split? And I imagine with Duke and UNC, it's likely just whoever has the better. Tournament run, or if they meet again in the ACC championship, well, there's your neutral site game, and the winner takes all there. So I I don't think the fact that they play each other more devalues the rivalry because on the flip side, they're playing for a little bit more. If that makes any sense, I do think Kentucky and Louisville's better though. I do agree with you there and understand your point. It's just what side of the fence you're on in that argument. It's uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting debate. Uh, Brun DMC says that North Carolina has professional teams in the NBA, NHL, and NFL. Kentucky obviously has zero, makes the rivalry so much special, and turns all eyes to that game. And, and even going further on that point, you've got NC State, you've got Wake Forest, that both those fan bases have have a lot of fans, and they're all right there. There's a lot going on in that in that, not a huge state of North Carolina, uh, where your fanhood, your fandom, what you're going to spend money on, it's split up in a lot of different ways. Uh, you're right. You don't have the the single attention on this game. You go anywhere in this state, especially anywhere in the city of Louisville, on UK UofL game day, and people are going to be wearing either red or blue, and they're going to to talk to you about the game. They're going to ask you questions about the game. They're going to... interested in what your plans are for the game it's like a mini kentucky derby when kentucky and louisville play maybe even bigger than the kentucky derby i don't know those two really go hand in hand in this state in terms of importance uh, in terms of how the whole city and the whole commonwealth can shut down but yes duke unc history will tell you it's that one lately there's been nothing better than Kentucky-Louisville. If you don't see that, you need to open up your eyes. Cats take on Tennessee tonight, 25-0. I'm sure you already knew that, though, based on me saying that on the show today. And also, if you've watched ESPN, man, they did not give this attention to Wichita State last year. They talked about it, and the, the, the longer Wichita State was undefeated, the more you'd hear about it. But did they have promos before every Wichita State game? Uh, in videos and music and the, the graphics and the displays and the highlights that basically are their intros into SportsCenter at times, nope, you didn't get that at all with the Shockers. Now, again, they talk about it from time to time. But the attention Kentucky's getting for being undefeated, it, like, I, like I said three or four weeks ago when they started doing this, which I don't really remember what game, it almost flipped the switch with ESPN going crazy for perfection talk, uh, but it, it, it seems to be, again, about two or three weeks ago, and since then, they've really turned up the heat on this. castle will hit the road again. Tennessee, after tonight, just two more road games. Two more. Think about that. We're in mid-February, and, and I know Selection Sunday is less than a month away, but after tonight, just two more true road games for Kentucky where they will be in hostile environments for the rest of the season. After tonight, just twice more, and one is in Starkville. Do we, are we going to count that? I don't know. But after tonight, just two more times will Kentucky go on the road and not have a huge, huge majority of the fans backing the Cats. Twice, two more times. That's good news for Kentucky maybe bad news for everybody else, and just shows you how close we are to Selection Sunday, the NCAA tournament, and for things to really, really heat up. Again, early on in the past few weeks, I've said this could be a game that Kentucky loses. I am backing off of that. I don't think Kentucky should. I don't think they, again, I I guess would, would I be completely shocked if they lost? No, but I am at the point now where I'd be surprised. Tennessee's lost to Mississippi State at home. They were blown out by LSU at home. Kentucky should be able to find a way to win. It might be ugly. It might be close. I think Kentucky do themselves a big favor by uh, letting them play well and getting a little momentum as things head on. What you got to do is you've got to slow down Josh Richardson. You've got to you've rebound well. You've got to use that size advantage you've had. Richardson's a good player, and I think he's probably going to have a big game. Uh, but you're somebody else is going to have to step up. Kevin Punter is is this little – no, he's not so little, but is a guard that they have. He can get hot from three at times. You don't want him to heat up. But it's, Tennessee's going to have to have that same recipe that these average, mediocre SEC teams have all had to have. You've got to get hot. You've got to hit a lot of threes. You have to have hope Kentucky's having an off-shooting night. And you you don't have to win the rebounding battle, but it better be close. Tennessee's able to do all four of those things, and one's not really something that they can do. That's Kentucky controlling its own fate with shooting. But if you can do with those four things, then you get a chance to beat Kentucky. You, you just get a chance to beat them. You don't, it doesn't mean you automatically beat them. You get a chance to. LSU was able to do, I guess, all four of those things. But that just gave them a chance, and they still couldn't pull it off. I don't think Tennessee is going to be able to do anything to pull it off. Yeah, it's a prediction on tonight's game.
0: Uh, Kentucky wins. Comfortably. You think
1: it's not, so it's not, not one that you might turn on ESPN later tonight after maybe getting an update on your phone that brings up an upset alert or anything like that? You don't think it's going to be close? Uh, I mean, it might be like,
0: 10 or 12 points close, but it won't be close where they there's a, they feel like you're, anybody feels like they're going to lose.
1: Not, not LSU close. I, I get it. Oh, I, for, I didn't get a chance to talk about this today. Somebody's got to remind me tomorrow. Brun DMC brought this up, and I, I think the sports soccer really is. Thanks again to Brun DMC. The first place to talk about this, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, the the Florida State football UK basketball comparison. Uh, Pat Forty, who's been on this show before, brought it up. Today or today in a column, a lot of UK fans got worked up about it. Uh, we'll bring this up tomorrow. It's not a good comparison. It's just it isn't. Uh, the wins losses we can talk about that. We'll do that tomorrow. Cats win 74 to 60. Enjoy your Mardi Gras. Thanks for listening. 1450 the Sports Buzz. We'll be back tomorrow. When the city of life still
0: blows. My old Kentucky home, my old Kentucky home. Oh. Oh. They say welcome to the 502. Take the Georgia boy, show him how Kentucky do. Oh, priest, classics, pink, Kentucky blue. They say don't forget 2-7, no be hitting two. Song call it blue, grand, song, call it purple. I'ma call it home. Take a shot of Tron Lay back in the lap and take two to the dome. Ride from the bill to be in my